Good morning, afternoon, and evening. Welcome to the 8311Cast, your premier Midwestern-based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. Join your hosts, Kyle Mersch, Mike Ludwig, and Wyatt Teeter as we talk about college football, the MLB, the NFL, and of course, our signature segments, The Vault of Hilarious Contracts, your weekly turtle tab, Mike's Stupid Rules, and Write That Down Predictions, here on episode 92. Y'all, we ain't the news, but like, breaking news... But not really. Dwayne The Rock Johnson purchased the XFL, right? The, the defunct spring football league that kind of went under due to the Rona um, and probably other reasons. $15 million. He and uh, this other guy named Danny Garcia, don't know what he's about, and this uh, corporation, Redbird Capital, bought like IP and equipment stuff for the XFL. Like what, yesterday, two days ago? Something crazy. Or this morning. I don't yeah, even I know. It doesn't matter. Monday, Monday morning, yeah. But, like, 15 million bucks for a league is a pretty good deal. Why didn't we do that, guys? We should have invested this show's profits in the XFL. What are we doing? Could Dude, we have, I don't... Could we have even gone to a bank and just been like, hey, can we get a loan for 15 mil? Can we get approved for that? What's your credit <laughs> score? My credit score is pretty good, actually. Well, then maybe. Yeah. Between the three of us, I'm sure we could get $15 million. It's easy peasy, right? Until they look at my debt from college. And speaking <laughs> of college, everyone's favorite college quarterback, Brock Purdy. Sam Ellinger? No, not Sam Ellinger. No one likes him. Uh, especially Oklahoma. Um, but Brock Purdy, who used to have a mullet, but he actually got rid of it, which is a sad day. It was a good mullet. Uh, he was added to a final award uh, watch list for the season, which brings his total up to four. It is the Manning Award. Yes, named after the Manning brothers uh, for the best quarterback in the country. And it is voted on by the Sugar Bowl Committee. So wait, the, the, the Manning Award is not named after Iowa State's offensive coordinator? Tom Manning? No. Okay. No, not quite. Okay. More like the Peyton and the Eli Manning, who both won, you know, two Super Bowls. Never heard of them. Okay, cool. Um, Maybe some people haven't heard of the new opponent that replaced Iowa on Iowa State's schedule for the season uh, coming up. The Cyclones did replace that uh, in-state Cyhawk series game with Ball State University. So... They will be added for the 2020 season. But one of the things that I want to talk about is most of the Power Five conferences are moving to a 10-game conference schedule for the season. Currently, the Cyclones still have a 12-game schedule uh, slated for their season. And since the Big 12 is unique in the fact that they only have 10 teams, there's only nine conference games. So what does Iowa State do do they keep one of those extra three non-conference games, or does the Big 12 end up saying, hey, we're playing one extra conference game, but how do they match that up so that the like the field of play or the level of competition is equal in those games? Well, here's my take on it. First of all, I don't know about anybody else, but I was really surprised that Iowa State added another opponent to that schedule. I don't know if anybody else was shocked when they saw that. Like, 
I mean, if you're going to add somebody, sure, Ball State's fine. I don't care who you add. I was just shocked they added somebody, period. Honestly, honestly, I feel like it was more of a formality. You know, they're kind of just looking for something to maybe be a placeholder, and maybe they choose between one of those three schools. I don't know, but I just don't know what they're going to – what. It's going to end up happening with the conference. Well, the thing that it told me, though, is why would Iowa State go through the work of looking for and finding an opponent for that game if they didn't think it was going to get played, right? I think Iowa State has word from the Big 12 that the Big 12 is going to try to play their full, their regular 12-game schedule. Whether that works, whether that's wise, I don't know. But that's just what I was speculating based off that because – Right? Why would you go through the work to Adam if you're not gonna play the game? If you're not really planning on playing the game anyway. Well, so the the issue that I have with playing a full 12 game slate while all the other Power Five conferences are not is you are putting your players through a more strenuous schedule. Maybe your level of competition for those first three games, you can argue that that level of comp- competition is severely. Uh, lesser than some of the competition that the other schools are going to face. But some of the, like the SEC isn't going to be starting their first game until early or late September, September 25th or somewhere in that range. Um, But the Cyclones on their schedule will begin in the beginning of September. So you're playing a longer season. You're going to be more tired than other conferences are. If we even get to bowl games or a postseason, so to speak, you're not going to be as fresh as some of these other schools, right? Yeah, but it also matters for bowl eligibility, right? So either way, you you have to be above 500 for 500 or above for bowl eligibility, right? So so basically, if you want a 10 game schedule, right? You got to win five, 12, win six. Quick math, right? If you're playing three non conference games now and none of them are against Power Fives, right? You should chalk those up as three wins. Boom, you're halfway to bowl, right? Iowa State's going to have a ton of bowl-eligible teams compared to everybody else just because they're going to right? They're going to have an easier strength of schedule. Not not just Iowa State, correction, the Big 12. Yes. Yeah, it's going to have more bowl-eligible teams than everybody else because that strength of schedule is going to be lower on the flip side. Plus, it would, be inter- right? it would be a way for the Big 12 to be center stage early in that college football season where all of the other um, – all the other conferences aren't playing yet. Like I said, I don't, I don't know if this, this is pure speculation on my part that they're still thinking about running the twelve game schedule. I have no inside source that has told me that, but it just seems right. You haven't seen anybody else add opponents to their schedule, except for the ACC added Notre Dame. Well, right, but that's because Notre Dame needed a place to play. Um, well, and Notre Dame is in the in the ACC for literally everything else mm-hmm. except for football. Yeah. So, I don't know. It just seems strange that they would have done that without a good chance that they'd play 12 games. So, I'd keep that in mind since the Big 12 hasn't announced what they're going to do. I mean, maybe they do switch to a 10-game schedule. Maybe they just say, heck, we're playing nine. We'll play nine conference games, and that's what we do. Or maybe they'll keep one conference game or a non-conference game. I don't know. I still don't rule out 12 conference games for the Big or 12 total games for the Big 12, keeping non-conference. But we'll see. You lose a lot of scheduling flexibility if you do that because then you're locked into those non-conference weeks and can't uh, can't reschedule conference games for those weeks. So be interesting to watch. But speaking of 
rescheduling games. Rescheduling games is something that Major League Baseball has had to do a lot of here so far um, this season. So far this season, there have been 22 games um, that have been postponed already this season, counting games on Monday, August 3rd. Um, and there's more that are on the that are already postponed that just haven't those dates haven't gotten here yet. Um, so it's already 23 postponed games. Um, some of those were you know weather related and they've already been made up. Well, I think the Cubs had played a doubleheader once. The Tigers and Reds the Tigers played a doubleheader. Did the uh, Indians and Royals play a doubleheader already? Or was that the Indians? No, the, the Indians and the Indians and someone else. Yeah, played a played doubleheader. A double Maybe that was the tight. Anyway, so some of those have already been made up, but um, they can still have a lot of games to make up because of COVID outbreaks on the Marlins and Cardinals. Um, they've reached eighteen uh, um, players for um, infected for the Marlins and thirteen for the Cardinals. Um, which is really bad news. Um, the good news is that there have been zero infections on other teams, even the teams that um, they played, right? Since the season started, there have been no positives on any other team. Um, the Phillies thought there were a couple positives, um, but now the league is saying that those positives um, of a coach and clubhouse attendant for the Phillies uh, were false positives. So no other in no other positive tests, which is good news. Um, but still, that two of your teams have been sidelined for weeks at a time is not good. Um, and in an effort to help um, the amount of double headers that are going to have to be played, um, they are switching double headers to seven innings. Both games of the double header will only be seven innings. Um, that's to reduce wear on players because there's going to have to be a lot of double headers and. Um, with a condensed schedule already, a lot of double head, full double headers are going to wear people out. Is the theory? So they switch to seven inning double headers. Um, and the MLB has also said they're not guaranteeing that everybody is going to get their full sixty games. Right? Some teams may only get to fifty five, fifty six games, and the playoffs will just be decided by winning percentage at that point instead of instead of number of wins. So maybe by winning percentage. Um, but I know. Kyle, you got more uh, to add to being to these uh, positive COVID tests. Well, too. so the the thing that's infuriating is a um, an actual reporter for a team um, close to the baseball to the MLB realm uh, reported that a couple of players for the Marlins attended or went out to a club. Um, and a couple of players for the Cardinals decided to go to a casino uh, during their free time in between games or in the evenings. And that shouldn't be, uh, or that seems like a very real coincidence that those two teams are the ones who have seen outbreaks since. The, the real issue here is MLB players want to play. They came out and said they wanted to play. They got... They went through all of these all of these loopholes with the ownership and the actual uh, commissioner who we'll get to him later uh, just to get this season underway and play baseball. Forget about the fans who who want who desperately wanted to see baseball back. The players want to play. And if a couple individuals are screwing it up for the rest of the league that is 
by far, so far, staying healthy. You, Mike touched on it before. The entire rest of the league, 28 teams, no outbreaks. Sure, you've had a couple of instances, especially for the Royals. They've had three players test positive, but that was before the season started. They were since quarantined. They're coming back. The Royals didn't have an outbreak. The Marlins and the Cardinals, you have, I, for those players, it is absolutely unfathomable that you are taking responsibility into your hands, violating pretty much everything that was agreed upon just so that you can have fun. Then don't give me that lie. Oh, yeah, your life is a little bit harder because you have all these restrictions. This is the career that you signed up for. If you don't want to be in baseball, you could have opted out. You had plenty of opportunity to opt out and have a year off and do whatever you want. If you want to play the game of baseball, you should be dedicated to it and don't screw it up for the rest of everyone who actually wants to be out there and play, especially for the Cardinals who are expected to be a potential playoff contender this year. I, it's, it's infuriating. What else is infuriating is the commissioner of the MLB. He is an absolute joke. We've said it before. His suspension for Joe Kelly just once again shows why he has absolutely zero grasp on reality when it comes to everything. Joe Kelly, so if you aren't aware with the the situation, Joe Kelly throws behind behind, not even hits a player, throws behind who was it? Springer? Correa. No, Correa, maybe. I don't remember the exact players. Two, one of two them. Two of the Astros. He threw behind one of the Astros, not even hitting him, and he gets a suspension for eight games in a 60-game shortened season, which equates to roughly 23 games. It's it's over 26, so call it 23 games. Or 22, sorry. Over 22, call it 23 games in a 162-game season, which is 13% of a season. In the current 60-game format. It's ridiculous how harsh that suspension was. And let me remind you, the Astros who were caught cheating, no games. No suspension for any of them. Slaps on the wrist, in my opinion. Oh, yeah, for sure. And the funny thing about it is, if you look at it, I get small sample size throughout the beginning of the season. George Springer, Jose Altuve... And Alex Bregman are all hitting sub 215 on the season so far. And two of them are hitting sub 200 with a ton of strikeouts. It's almost like they don't know what's coming anymore. Coincidence? Or small sample size. Or I'm not going to say. Um, yeah, I think that's still small enough sample size. Um, anyway, I do have some, some comments on that too. Um, first of all, um, so in the MLB's um, first. Uh, in their suspension release for Joe Kelly, right? They cited both um, him throwing at the Astros and taunting afterwards as reason for his suspension. Making a I, pouting face is not taunting. Right. I mean, I've, uh, I don't know if, and Wyatt, you can correct me if I'm wrong because you might know this, but I don't think I've ever seen taunting as a reason for suspension or increased suspension in Major League Baseball before this. Um, I, I don't think I ever have. So that was interesting. Um, Joe Kelly is appealing that suspension, and I think that's for sure one of the points he's going to come with. is like, 
you're suspending me for, for taunting? When was the last time you did that? Where's that precedent? Right? Because that matters in these suspension appeals. Um, two, um, the commissioner did say that he was going to, right, there would be no tolerance for throwing out or hitting Astros batters this season. I mean, he did say that. So Joe Kelly knew going into the season that, right, that he would get suspended, right, for it, right? You can't say he didn't know. I, I will give him that, right, that the commissioner said he was going to punish people who did it, and he did. I agree that the suspension is way too much, but the commissioner actually did what he, he actually did what he said he was going to do for once. So I give him props for that. But, but realistically, would a commissioner suspend a player for throwing at someone 23 games in a normal season? You have to think about the balance there. Yeah, yeah maybe you're trying to make a statement or an example, but 23 games? Yeah, yeah. right. So they, the suspension part is interesting, right? Because they didn't. They haven't been prorating suspensions, right? Like you normally would, right? So like, you know, a, uh, since you're playing, you know, 60 games instead of 160, so each suspension is like a third of the length um, as opposed that it would be, it would be prorating suspensions. But they haven't been doing that, right? They didn't do that with people whose suspensions carried over last year, right? If you had 50 games left of your suspension from last season, you sit out the first 50 games of this season. Even if, uh, you know, even if that would prorate down to having, you know, closer to 25 or less games left on that suspension. So they're not prorating suspensions, which I think is dumb because, you know, you're prorating their salary, but not their, not their suspension. So you're still taking away a larger percentage of their salary than you would have otherwise anyway. That's beside the point. But third, did anybody else find it ironic that it was uh, Joe Kelly who was doing this, Joe Kelly, who is a former Red Sox, whose team has also been accused of uh, doing the same thing the Astros did. Uh, so that that just just keep that on the back of your mind. He wasn't even on the Reds uh, on the Dodgers when they got when the Astros played him in the World Series, and he was on a team that won the World Series by doing the same thing. Anyway, that's my last point. Um, Maybe just trying to gain a little bit of respect in his new. Clubhouse, yeah. but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, on to the actual on-the-field um, on action. Uh, can we just give Shane Bieber the AL Cy Young right now? Like, I'm clapping for him. Give it to he's him. He's been phenomenal. I mean, what? So he went seven innings against the Royals. 14 um, Ks. Yep, struck out 14 and didn't give up a run. Um, he went eight innings against the Twins, struck out 13 um, and didn't give up a run. He's just been phenomenal to start the year. Um, he's probably definitely going to win the Cy Young, so just give it to him now. Um, other things we learned is the Twins can win with their bats like they did in Chicago, or their pitching. This uh, four-game series in, against Cleveland where the Twins uh, took three out of four, they held Cleveland to just four runs the entire four-game series, um, and one and uh, won three out of four despite only scoring what? They probably only scored about 12 runs themselves um, over the course of the series. So they can win even when their bats aren't crushing it, and that should scare everybody else in the American League. Because if the Twins can pitch well, their offense is going to be good. And if they can pitch well, that should scare everybody else in the league.
Um, other things we learned is Aaron Judge is still amazing. He's homered in, what is it, five straight games five now. Five straight games since the first a- time since like 2000, somewhere between 2005 and 2007 since A-Rod did it the last for the Yankees. He's yeah. he's just incredible. Yeah, and uh, and he had a big one in the eighth inning last on Sunday night against the Red Sox um, that turned that game in the Yankees' favor. Um, the Cubs are running away with the uh, NL Central a little bit here. They're seven and two, and no other team in the NL Central is above 500. Um, so they got a nice lead, a uh, nice two and a half game lead in the NL Central already. Um, and the NL West so far looks like the best division in baseball. They got three teams with 600 winning percentage or better, um, and four teams at 500 or better. So they definitely look like the best division in baseball at the moment, but that can change in a hurry um, as things go on. Also, I'm going to call out Major League Baseball for the app development real quick. You know, I love the MLB app, the MLB app ad app, but you think they could make it when I hit the standings button that it would show me the 2020 standings? Like, at MLB, get on and fix that. Anyway, I have to use my ESPN app to go look at the standings. I hate my ESPN app. That must be an Android issue because iOS is actually working. So, oh, really? Interesting. That's the yeah, first I only time get that the, iOS is actually ahead of Android. I don't even get the option, like, because you can click on the year to change years, but 2020 isn't even an option for me. Oh, like, yeah. 2019 it, is the most updated year. I'm just like, come on. It Maybe pops right up for me. So. And reinstall my app. We'll see. Anyway, that's beside the point. I hope it's not my fault. Otherwise, I look uh, stupid for. Uh, calling out the MLB fault. Anyway. I'm going to interrupt you and tell you that, yes, it's your fault, because I just opened my app up, and it comes right at the 2020 standings. What? So uh, we <laughs> you look kind of out. dumb. <laughs> I'll update you on the rest. Uh, we're we're going we're gonna to uninstall and reinstall this app, and we'll update you at the end to see if that fixes it. Believe in you, Mike. Yeah. So yeah. Since, since the MLB has been underway, the NFL is actually just getting underway. Uh, so in order to get there, the NFL and the NFL Players Association had to agree uh, to specific plans to start camp. Uh, and training camp is now actually underway uh, for um, all the teams. Uh, there have been a couple COVID tests or people or personnel testing positive here and there. They're added to the uh, NFL COVID, whatever their their um, list now. Uh, one of the major ones was Doug Peterson, the head coach for the Eagles. Uh, but since then, no positive tests for the remainder of the Philadelphia Eagles. But the deal includes or calls for no salary cap changes for this year, uh, which is um, pretty big for obviously you you got to stay under the salary cap this year. That It's not moving anywhere. The cap floor is one is set at 175 million next year. Uh, any losses from this year will be spread out for the next four years. And it used to be that players had until August or July 31st to opt out of the season. Uh, that has since been extended. The NFL actually hasn't set a date, uh, but it's either Thursday or Friday of this week. So either August 6th or 7th is the so-called final day for players to opt out of the 2020 NFL season. Mike, do you have anything to add to that? 
Just that I don't think the uh, NFL has any chance of playing a season if they don't uh, go to a bubble. I think Major League Baseball has demonstrated that the, they really have no chance unless uh, we go to a bubble. Oh, you mentioned a bubble, huh? I, I did mention a bubble. Do you like that, Kyle? Did I just transition real good? You you did just transition, transition real good. Uh, so recently, since the MLB has been incurring numerous issues uh, with um, outbreaks. I was kind of thinking about how the NFL, because last week I said the NFL can't function in a bubble. And it's true. The NFL can't function under one bubble. But if you think about it, and with a article that I read today from a um, chief sports writer, is you need to, you need to bubble, you need to create multiple bubbles for all teams so you start out with eight separate bubbles for each division so i'm going to stick to the afc because i know the afc the best uh so if you think about it if you if each team or each division bubbles themselves that is less players per division in a bubble than for the entire nba bubbled in orlando um so the 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 strategic issues are a little bit um, easier at that point. Second, you think about it's it's a great boost to economies, but when you think about like scheduling and whatnot, you can schedule practices two a days, or and if you have two fields, one team practices in the morning, one team practices in the evening. So the Denver Broncos in the morning, Chiefs in the evening. And then the Raiders and Chargers in the morning, evening, maybe at a different site. And maybe you can flip-flop. But this has to obviously be in an area where you have access to either multiple fields or a big enough training facility for this to happen. Um, so basically, here's how this would work. And if you think about the season playing out, each team would play the other teams in their division bubble twice. That normally happens in a season, so you get that over with. So in the Chiefs' case, there's six games. The Chiefs play the Broncos, the Raiders, the uh, Chargers, and then they go through and do it all again. So you already have six games out of the way. Each of the divisions have that similar, they follow that similar six-game format. Um, And then at the end of that, there is a league-wide bye week. So everyone gets a break. That allows teams to then move on to a second bubble. Um, So the top two teams from every single division go on to another bubble and they quarantine themselves in the new bubble during their bye week and they play there. Uh, So then in the AFC case, you have two AFC bubbles. You have a bubble A and a bubble B. You have the number one seed from two divisions and the number two seed from two divisions in the same one, and then likewise in the other one. And you format it in a way that teams don't have any overlap of how they play each other. You do the same round-robin format in each of those divisions, and then you get the winner. The top two teams from each conference bubble move on to the playoffs then at at this point. So then you have four teams from the AFC, four teams from the NFC, and then you're into your um, divisional round, 
what would be the divisional round. And you go through that, you eliminate two teams, you move on. Then you have your uh, championship round. You do that, and then you have a bye week before the Super Bowl. The way this entire schedule works out is whenever two team or the top two teams from the division move on, or whenever a team moves on, the teams that don't qualify to move on, they are eliminated. This gets rid of the the need to have tons of bubble space all in one area. You get players back home to their families, which was a big concern for some players. And think about it, with some teams that are completely possibly out of the race, look at maybe the Cincinnati Bengals, maybe the Miami Dolphins. You get teams like that where players, where they're not even in it anyway, they might not want to play towards the end of the season anyway, and they might just be opting out. So then the level of competition severely decreases as the season goes on. So then you drop some teams off, you keep the teams in it who are good enough to continue going. And it's definitely, definitely going to be a fluke year for the NFL as well. Kind of like what the MLB season would be, but Really, that's the only way to put the NFL in a bubble and for it to work. In my in my opinion, that that's really the only way it can work work out for all those teams. Yeah, that could work. Um, but again, I think you're gonna have a hard time getting the uh, the players in a bubble. So, how many weeks would this take? I this wasn't would counting be how many weeks so it'd be take. it'd be six weeks. And six weeks would be the entire regular season. So okay. it's a 12-week regular season, but only some teams, some teams, the the lowest two seeds in every single division, after the first six weeks, they would only have a six-week season. And then the next lowest two teams, they'd only have a 12-week season. So total, it would be a 12-week season, but you have a bye week in between each of them. Okay. So technically, regular season is 14 weeks before the playoffs were to start. Then when the playoffs start, there's there's a bye week in between um, the the AFC NFC championship and the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl would then be played on January 25th, which is actually, I believe, two or three weeks ahead of its currently scheduled date. Um, And the NFL has that entire block of hotels reserved in Tampa Bay either way right now for like an entire month or a month and a half. But it's played earlier, and you still even get those those players home earlier to their families anyway. It kind of condenses the entire NFL season. Yeah, but even so, right for those Super Bowl teams, right that's a that's basically four months, right, bubbled away from their family and everything. You're not going to get players to agree to that, right? And then you've got the issue of money, right? I only played six games. Do I get paid for 16 they, games? Do under, I get paid for 12 games? Do I get under, paid for six under games? This, under this format, those players would, uh, they covered this in the article, they would get paid for the entirety of the regular season, no matter, regardless if they drop off or not. They would basically get their face value of their contract. Now, some of these players who have like performance incentives and whatnot, those obviously might not come to fruition, but... You your base salary would be fulfilled for the season. Okay, it could. I mean, it's a pipe dream. The NFL is not going to go pivot to it now, but it's it, not a bad idea. In the like, 
I, I'm not saying that that idea has flaws by any means. I'm not saying that it's it's the only way that the NFL can function. I'm just saying that it's a possibility, and in my opinion, it's a better possibility than what the NFL is currently under. Just, yeah, we're going to be traveling all over the country still. So, I think personal accountability would be a nice hybridized approach between the MLB and the NBA for the NFL to take up. So the whole problem with the MLB, right, is these guys going out to casinos and bars and whatnot and, you know, having more contact than than necessary. So why not hold individual players accountable for their actions? Uh, I don't know what that would entail. You know, would you get suspended a couple games for going out and having, quote unquote, unnecessary contact with the public? Uh, How do you how do you do something like that even? But I feel like that's the only approach I can really see working besides a bubble approach for the The, NFL is having accountability. The thing that's tough with that is how do you police that 100% of the time, though? Unless you're absolutely Mm -hmm. giving every single player basically a buddy that says, hey, this this buddy is tracking wherever you go. Or you put tracking devices or have a tracking device on everybody, but then that's an invasion of privacy, right? You get into all those logistical nightmares. So I mean, you do, but I mean, you already have like an invasion of privacy, I guess, for um, drug, drug tests, right? Like that that would still be, you know, a similar deal. I'm not saying that this is a good idea by any means, but I mean, some sort of personal accountability, I think, would solve a lot of, a lot of these issues. If there's actual consequences for, you know, endangering your team's eligibility to play in the season. Every, every plan is going to have flaws. It's literally just going to be trying to find the plan that <laughs> works, I guess, because it... It's just, it's going to be a nightmare if the season can't actually happen. So on the lighter side of things, we're going to delve back into the vault of hilarious contracts. And in this edition, not episode, in its edition, we are going to the diamond for Roy Oswalt. And in his contract in 2005, when he was pitching for the Houston Astros, Oswalt had a dream to one day own a bulldozer. And in his 2005 contract, Drayton McLean drew up an agreement that said if Oswalt won game six of the NLDS, he would receive a bulldozer from the organization. He won the game and he was the proud owner of a bulldozer. (laughs) That's pretty good. I like that one. That's a good one. <laughs> that, that is really uh, good. And any that just goes to show that literally anything is possible. If you want a bulldozer, put it in a contract. Go win a game. What if I want a dog? Can I put that in my contract? Oh, I want, want a, a dog. dog. I don't you see why not. Do or don't want a dog, Wyatt. I, I want a dog. I love yeah, dogs. That'd, that'd be good. Can you have dogs in your apartment? I can't. I can. But Ooh. it's like it's like an extra fee, and it's also oh. like a two hundred dollar deposit. Like yep. yeah. That's the way it is. I, I, I get it, I guess, but like, yeah. Eh. Plus, I no can't. dog wants to live in downtown. No. No, no dog wants to live in downtown. I agree. I agree. Somebody in an apartment near me literally just walks their dog up and down the street like four times a day. Mm-hmm. And that's exercise. And I'm like, man, that'd be a boring life for a dog. Yep. Anyway, the things you learn when you work from home and stare out your window all the time. You learn about dogs, but you don't usually learn about turtles. That's why you come to the 8311 cast, where we bring you your weekly turtle tab. Of course we bring you your weekly turtle tab. And on this week's 
weekly turtle tab where we bring you all things Willens Astadio. We um, are going to tell you that Willens Astadio is still prepping at the Twins alternate training site in St. Paul. Um, there's no update on when he might um, be back, but or if he'll be back, just because the Twins might not need him. Right? Twins got two good catchers already in Mitch Garver and Alex Avila. So he's still prepping at the St. Paul site, but we'll continue to give you give you any updates as we go forwards. But moving on to another thing that I want to update you on, of course, that is my love of rules in our Mike Stupid Rules segment. And we are sticking with baseball. So with that, what I'm going to tell you about is um, MLB's challenge and replay rules. So normally you get um, one challenge, right, over the course of, of the game, right? That is the uh, the challenge. And granted, you can ask the umpires to review things and they still might do it, but you only get your one challenge where you can force them to review it. Anyway, so according to Major League Rules, you can actually challenge multiple things on the same play. Now, this came into um, play in yesterday's Twins-Indians game. To lead off the game in the first inning, Max Kepler hit a line drive down the right field line that was very close to being fair or foul, and then it bounced up the wall and was um, very close for whether it stayed in play or was out of play and bounced back into play, right? So it was very close to being fair or foul and out of play for a ground rule double versus he ran for a triple, right? So the Indians actually challenged both calls on the same play. Was the ball fair or foul? And was it a ground rule double or was it a triple? They ended up losing the challenge fair foul. The ball was ruled fair live and was was fair upon review. But they won the challenge uh, about it going out of play. The ball had gone out of play. So Max Kepler was sent back to second base. Now, normally, um, if you lose your one challenge, right, you can't challenge again for the rest of the game. But if you win your challenge, as long as you keep winning it, you can keep challenging. Right now, when you challenge two things like that, even if you win one and lose one, that counts as a win for your challenge. And you are allowed to continue challenging things um, throughout the game going forward. So because they got one of their two things right on their challenge, they were able to challenge further. They didn't end up having anything challenged later in the game. And it took them until like the sixth inning and like a four minute conversation between the umpires in New York to figure out whether the Indians still had a challenge or not. Um, but they did still have a challenge because they got that ruling correct. They got that challenge correct in the two-part challenge. That kind of surprises me because something like this, I would expect it to be, you know, if you were to lose one part of the challenge, you automatically lose the challenge regardless of the outcome. But, yep. huh, but I think this is, I think it's the same way in the NFL too, right? As long as something gets changed on the play that you're challenging – you get to keep your challenge. Huh. Or I guess in the NFL, it's your timeout as opposed to your challenge. But as long as something the officials ruled gets overturned, you get to keep it. So, Interesting. Good yeah. to know. Well, those challenges certainly help keep officials accountable. But here on the 8311 cast, we hold ourselves accountable by pulling stuff off of our write that down predictions board. However, I don't think we have anything to pull off of it today. Is that true? I don't think so, Kyle. We don't. You updated the board this week. You don't. We don't have anything, eh? I didn't actually look. <laughs> uh, Kyle blew it. You, if you take, 
if you put the new things on the board, you got to take the old things off the board. Don't well, do it halfway. If you do the, it halfway, the last time I that I the board. last time that I took things off the board, you removed that duty from me because I did it poorly. Then so I things- figured I'd leave it in the capable hands of our co-host Mike Ludwig, but he decided to drop the ball this week. Oh, I just turned that around on you. Boom. No, no. Alright, so alright, here's how this is gonna work. I'm now taking away your putting things on the board privileges too. So we don't oh. have this happen again. See, I just turned it back around and you and took away more of your privileges. So there. Um my quick glance through the list says no, we don't have anything to take off the board, so Kyle gets lucky. See, see, I had the foresight. I knew it was coming. We had nothing to take off. And with that, I I'm going to put something back up on the board that will be able to come off next week. And my prediction is that Whit Merrifield in the series with the Cubs over the next four days will tally at least eight or more hits. Eight or more hits in a four-game series. So two hits a game. Oh, boy, I feel like that's He's averaging four at-bats a game. We don't have any – do we have lineups yet? I presume he's going to – Play every day. I can get you the Royals lineup for today. It, it's it's oh, Whitmer. Yeah, I have it for today. Oh, at second, yeah, I day. assume you won't find it any other for other days so going forward. They but. they submit their lineup card three hours in advance. He's an everyday player. I'm thinking home run. I mean, yeah, I I'm eight fine hits, with that. Eight hits in a series is hitting like 500 on the series, right? You assume he gets four at bats a game, 16. And and for he reference, hits. right now he's hitting about 317. Seems like a home run prediction to me. Sounds like a plan. Mike, what do you got? I'm going to go with hockey. Um, hockey had their uh, playoffs here start um, this last week. Everything's going well in the NHL bubble. Um, the Wild ended up taking game one of their qualifying series. Um, they looked really good doing it, so I'm going to go out of limb and say the Wild will make the Western Conference Finals. Mm. That, do that we... Is- uh... See, Don't I like know. These predictions because you guys have yeah, we, no idea. No idea. <laughs> no idea how. Uh, no what do, idea. What are you looking for for this one? Are you looking uh, for like a triple? Probably a triple or a home run. Yep. All right. I was kind of thinking triple when you said that because it's not like you're saying they're going to win it, but they're just going to make it there, which is a feat in and of itself. And I what think is that's their, at least what's their triple. What? What's their seed? The current? Wild are currently the ten seed. That's a home run. Yep. So it would require winning their best out of five with Vancouver that they're already uh, up one to nothing in, then winning a best of seven against one of the top four seeds, um, and then winning another best of seven against another team that's probably also uh, seeded higher than them. So Yeah, no, with that information, I would be comfortable with home run. home run. <laughs> Sweet. I'll take that home run. Mine's a pretty easy one. Uh, I'm going to say the Cubs will still be leading the NL Central at the end of August. The end of August, so about 25 more games left to be played in August. They have a two-and-a-half game lead right now, which I can now see on my MLB app now that I uninstalled and reinstalled it. The 2020 standings are there. So I apologize to MLB for me, uh, you know, calling them out there. That was my <laughs> app's fault. As we've seen twice in this episode, he is so quick to judge other people for being at fault. <laughs> Just Shut take up, Kyle. That under consideration. You, don't, you don't have a leg to stand on either. 
<laughs> I actually have two legs to stand on. You're right. Uh, anyway, um, Cubs lead the NL Central at the end of August. Double. Double. What did you want for this, Wyatt? Uh, I'm not gonna say anything. That means you were wanting a single. <laughs> <laughs> We're definitely not giving you a triple. Definitely a double. <laughs> I think double. it's a double it's mainly because yeah. of just how the, the Cubs could lose two pitchers here in a little bit, and then they'd be down the tubes. I, I wasn't pitcher in, so. to clarify. I wasn't expecting a single. I was expecting a double, but I mean, if Kyle said triple, I wasn't gonna. I wasn't gonna argue against him. I don't think. With a two-and-a-half game lead, I don't think. Plus, the Cardinals are going to be, like, out of commission for another week. So yeah. they're not – they are going to tough to – yeah, without them and playing. By, and just a clarification, by leading the Central, you're going to you're gonna be referencing winning percentage, not games won. Yeah. What yeah. if there's a tie? I mean, if there's a tie, I mean, technically they're tied for first, so they're still leading. That, yep, that, I would that's agree. technically true. I agree with that. Them's the rules, boys. We just need that on record. Well, now you got it. So is that a double for sure then? Yep, yep. double. All right. Doing anything from Josh this week? Is he still alive? Yes. Doing good. Got me a prediction here. He is very pessimistic about baseball season. He's saying the MLB season will be canceled um, by the end of August at the latest. So they will not be baseball games played in September. The season will be canceled by then. Man, I don't know. There's, oh. that, there's days when I agree with him, and yeah. there's days where I'm like, ah, maybe it'll work. This is 100% a day-by-day. Day. Yeah, I agree with you, Kyle. Um, uh, double? Since it's like... It may, maybe? But... I, I was thinking double just because... So, right, the two outbreaks are bad news, but the fact that the they even with outbreaks, those teams haven't been spreading it to other teams that they've been playing. Especially that, that first, that big Miami outbreak, none of the Orioles tested positive. Phillies. Or Phillies, yeah, yeah their yeah. first series, Phillies. Yeah, yeah. And the Cardinals were playing the Twins right before, um, or right when they got their positive tests, and the Twins have had no cases. So I'm thinking double just because of that fact. I'm fine with that. Yeah. Double it is. So, with all four of our Write That Down predictions up on the board, we haven't had one from Josh in a while. We've been just having three the past couple weeks, but now that we actually have four, that means we're at the end of the Write That Down prediction segment, which means we're at the end of the episode. Thank you so much for listening to episode 92 of the 8311Cast. Appreciate you sticking around. If you want more content, feel free to check out our Instagram at 8311Cast. That's 8311Cast. Cast? Yeah, you know, like the name. The name implies... So, signing off for the 8311 cast, we have your hosts, Kyle Mersh, Mike Cloddy, and Wyatt Teeter. Talk to you next week. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones.